Well, it's my privilege to speak to you a couple of weeks ago when I was with you. Um, I shared um, something from the baptism of Jesus. We looked at how Jesus uh, did not need to be baptised because John's baptism was a baptism of repentance and of course Jesus hadn't sinned, but that Jesus wanted to identify with us at the beginning of his ministry with our sins and he identifies with us particularly on the cross when he took our sins upon himself there. And then I'd like to look at um, another um, episode at the beginning of his ministry when he was, thank you very much, I'll need that in a moment, um, at his baptism. And I'd like to read that to you if I may. Sorry, we had his baptism. I'd like to speak now from his temptation. So we're in Luke chapter 4, if you have your Bible with you. Trust you have. It's always a good testimony. I mind you, you've got it on your phones and iPads. I keep forgetting how old I am. You know, I really do. Okay, we're in Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone. The devil led him up onto a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on a high point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, I say, do not, sorry, do not, not put the Lord your God to test. Then the devil had finished all this tempting him. He left him until an opportune time. Any idea that this was the only time Jesus was tempted would not be correct. Um, the devil left him at this point for an opportune time when it suited him. For example, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I think there was a real spiritual battle taking place. And once again, Jesus was proven faithful. And he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. I need to pray. Father, we thank you for your word which each time we read it, it just shouts at us about your grace and your mercy and your love. And I pray, Lord, as we have our devotions this morning, that you might speak to us. Lord, we want to sin less. Those of us who are Christians here, we want to sin less. Those of us who aren't Christians here, we need to have our sins forgiven. And we pray that this study on temptation may help us as we seek to walk a life that is pleasing to you. Amen. When Jesus was baptised, the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Um, he was talking to Jesus. At his baptism, the Father spoke and he was speaking to Jesus. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he was talking about Jesus when he said, this is my beloved Son, hear ye him. He was talking to the disciples. So in between that, so much is taking place. We've had Jesus leave the carpenter shop be obedient to the baptism of John. He is now led into the, um, the, the wilderness. Statement I'd like to make straight away is, 
God does not tempt, but God does test. And we need to clear that straight away in our minds. God will never tempt you to sin. But he may test you in your ability to walk with him. So it's testing or temptation. The test might involve uh, temptation coming, but that temptation will not originate with God, but the testing might. That we might go through challenges. You know, I think of times of bereavement, which are great times of testing. And sometimes the enemy will come close at times uh, when we are particularly upset and will tempt us maybe to turn our back on God. Many a time as a pastor, people would say to me when they'd lost a loved one, they'd say, well, you know, how can there be a God? I'm, I'm, I'm finished with God. You know, my, my husband or, or my wife was taken and, you know, how am I going to manage? Weeks later, when they've come through that initial crisis, they came to me and they'd say something like, oh, pastor, because that's what they called you back then. Pastor, you know, um, I said some terrible things. I said, don't worry, God wasn't listening. You know, he wasn't listening because at times of bereavement and times of te testings will come and temptations will be maybe part of it. First thing I'd like us to note there, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. First thing I'd like to say is Jesus was full of the Spirit. It does not mean that temptation will not come, even you're walking with God. You might think, well, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm reading my Bible. Things are going really well. Please do not think that will exempt you from temptation. I'm afraid it won't. It did not Jesus. It says he was full of the Spirit. The Greek word, therefore, full of the Spirit, is the same word used in Luke 5.12, which speaks about a man, it means to be permeated, who had leprosy. So Luke tells us that the man with leprosy, it was, it was right through him, his body. And the same word of being full or permeated with is the same word, full of the Spirit. It had, Jesus was full of the Spirit. Of course, one of the signs of the Messiah was that the Holy Spirit would come as a dove and rest upon him and remain. And that infilling of the Spirit remained with Christ right through. And may I say, it remains with him even now. Um, as he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So we've got to learn, the first thing we learn is this, that God tests but Satan tempts. The second is that even though we are full of the Spirit, does not mean to say temptation will not come our way. Please note it was the Spirit of God that led Jesus into the wilderness. Now again, I have to be careful here, it was in a very barren place, not hospitable at all. He would be fasting, he would be alone, he would find himself at the end of 40 days in a very low physical position and a very low, I believe, emotional position after such solitude and time on his own. And that's when the enemy chose to come and tempt him. And if that will happen to our Lord, we must not be surprised that there are times when we will find ourselves in positions where temptation will come. And it's in those moments that we draw upon the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's on those moments we draw upon the Word of God to strengthen us and help us. I do not believe, and if I, others around don't agree with me, they'll have an opportunity to correct it, I'm sure. I don't believe that we will ever be sinless till we see Jesus Christ face to face. But I know this, I should sin less. Even though I may not be sinless, I should sin less. And it's in this area of temptation. You might think to yourself, well, temptation is something only for young people. Let me tell you, I'm 400 years old and I'm still being tempted. The temptations are different. 
you know, and I'm not going to make you smile and give a list of them, but they're there. Let me tell you now, I'm as in much need of knowing God's word and being filled with the Spirit and facing temptation than I ever did as a teenager. Things have just changed. Temptation is with us. Jesus was not a teenager. He was 30 years of age. He was a mature man when these temptations came to him. So, well, my temptations aren't there. Oh, they are. Your temptations are, uh, are not vastly different. The difference is, you know, you, in the Bible, it was not to covet your neighbor's ox, was it? Well, for you, it might be your neighbor's car. It's changed, but still the same covetousness, same area there. So the temptation begins. Jesus, full of the Spirit, returns from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit to the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So again, many commentators believe that the three temptations that we're highlighting this morning were at the end of this period, but there were temptations throughout it in those days. Then in verse 3, we come to the temptations themselves. First of all, we notice that he was filled with the Spirit in Luke 4.1. He was led by the Spirit in Luke 4.1. But in Luke 14... After the temptation, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Temptation does not mean that you will lose your power with God. To be tempted is not the challenge. If temptation was a sin, then Jesus sinned because he was tempted. It's not the temptation, it's the resistance of it. And if we don't resist it, then it becomes sin. But Jesus who resisted it remained sinless and was able to offer himself for us upon the cross as our saviour full of the spirit led by the spirit and then after the temptation returned in the power of the spirit you know we all want to be stronger in christ well sometimes all that's stopping is that we come to a place where we can resist temptation we can say lord i have a choice here i can rob the bank or i won't rob the bank now if you're thinking of robbing a bank please don't but if you've already robbed it, we've got an envelope down here for... No, that, 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 was, that was me. That wasn't God. Okay, you can, you'll learn the, the big difference, I can assure you, in that way. And so that's it. But well, let's have a look at these temptations. Verse 3, it says, The devil came to him. If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Of course, the first temptation for Jesus was his identity. If you're the Son of God. Well, he wouldn't have said that at the Jordan, would he? When heaven was open, the dove had come, John was testifying. Oh no, it was at the end of 40 days of fasting, time, no affirmation, no one around him acknowledging who he was. And mind you, he did that throughout his ministry, struggled for that affirmation. But at that end of the period, if you are the son of God, it was down to his identity. And of course, the temptation was to prove he was the son of God, by turning the stone into bread. Bread, of course, in Scripture is very important. It was a staple diet of Bible times. And uh, we have manna in heaven. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whole load of teaching there. But here we find he's saying to them, if you are the Son of God, do it. Okay. Now, I'm not saying you're not, but I want you to prove it. And the temptation was to prove something or to do something that would confirm who he was. He didn't need to confirm who he was. He knew who he was. And you and I, most of us here today, will be Christians. And we, we know we're Christians. We all would say we, we could be better Christians. 
But we know we're Christians. I don't have to do anything to prove to you I'm a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. I know my sin's forgiven. I know I don't deserve it. It's called the mercy of God. Am I better than anyone else? No. Two types of sinners in this room. Sinners who are forgiven and sinners who aren't forgiven yet. In that way. And so he wasn't going to be tempted to, if I could say, pull a bit of a stunt. Do this bit of conjuring. Turn the stone into bread to prove to the devil who he was. He knew who he was. And we know who we are. And the devil will come to us in a mirror temptation. And he'll say, Gordon, are you really a Christian? And I say, I am, but I'm not a very good one. Don't argue with him. If the devil said to me, you know, you're the worst preacher in the world, I'd go, I think I'm the second worst. No, no, no. I go, yeah, you're right. Could be, I don't know. I don't know how you could ever manage that or work it out, but I won't argue with him. But I will say this. Well, he's decided to choose the foolish things of this world and I'm one of the foolish things that God has chosen to use. And so he, first temptation was his identity. If you are the son of God, and it was to tempt God, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. Uh, another scripture will talk there about, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Some manuscripts will have that, some manuscripts will not. And so Jesus' answer to this temptation, and it is a clue to how we handle it, is to rightfully and correctly use scripture. I think it was my, I asked my wife yesterday, when Jesus quoted scripture, was he speaking to Satan or was he speaking to himself? And we came to the conclusion, and we were in agreement, amazing, we were in agreement, he was both. That he quoted scripture for himself and he quoted scripture to the enemy. Very simple. It is written, man does not live by bread alone. So he's speaking to himself. Hang on a minute. Man doesn't live by bread alone. The most important issue here is not whether I eat. It's not whether my, get ready for it, my appetites are to be met and my desires at this time. What's more important is that God is glorified and I stay true to him and I am not tempted to step out of the assurance. Those words I heard at the Jordan, if he was in any doubt, and I don't believe he was, because I think the moment he, he took away that carpenter's apron, folded it and walked out, he knew exactly where he was heading, to the cross for us. So the first temptation was to, with regards to his identity um, in that one. Okay. Secondly, it says the devil, uh, verse 5, led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. I'll pause there for a moment. First of all, that physically is not able to be done. There isn't a point on the earth. Now you're going to be amazed at the science of this. The way you can see all the kingdoms of the earth because the earth is round. For those of you who think it's flat, I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's definitely round, definitely round, because scripture tells us that. Long before scientists proved that the earth was round, it tells us simply that God sitteth upon the circle of the earth. So scripture teaches Job. Job has got a lot of science in it. Another story, another time, but um, there we are. But he now comes to him and takes him to a high place, showed in an instant. So we know that this was a sort of a spiritual thing because it was in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world, okay? So he's not on a mountain. He's somewhere able in an instant to see these things. 
And verse 6 says, he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Wow. First of all, I've got to say this, I don't believe that Satan did have the authority to give it to him. I think this was another lie. Now, some of you here will not agree. And if you want to have a long discussion about it afterwards, I'm not available because I'm having some lunch before I drive home. But I don't think, this is just another of the lies that come out of this devil's mouth all the time. He said, you know, all this is mine and I can give, oh yes. He's called this, you know, the spirit of the prince of the power of the air. We acknowledge all of that. The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. But he, I do not believe he had the authority to turn around and say this in, in any way at all. I will give you all their authority. Wow, that's not a bad thing. He's the son of God. Authority, yes. And then he goes on. And splendor, well, he is the son of God. Splendor, it's a good thing. For it has been given to me. When was he given authority? He was cast down. When was he given splendor? He lost his splendor when he was cast down. If you read Ezekiel, I can give it to anyone I want. He is once again, I nearly said, I don't use that word. I don't, there's some words in the north of England that don't travel well south. Um, he actually started to talk like he's God. I can give authority. I can give splendor. I can give it to who I want. He had not. It has never sunk into the devil's mind that he is finished. He will never rule. He will never be enthroned. He will never usurp the power or the throne of God. But here he is, seeking once again to thwart the purposes of God. As he did stirring up Herod against the babies at his birth. Once again, he's at this thing. So, I will give it to anyone I want to. And here we have the crux of this. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Now, I often say to people, you know, you know, if they, a friend of mine just had a new car, and to him it's a great deal, and it is a good deal, there's no wrong with it. But I always say to myself, if a car, any I won't ask if there's any car salesman here because immediately you'll try and sell me one. But, you know, if a man, a car dealer, shakes hands with you, he's made money. Now, you don't know where, but he's made some money somewhere because he's not giving cars away. So where's the, the catch in this? He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you authority. I'll give you splendor. I'll give you all the glory of the kingdom of the earth. And all you have to do is worship me. In other words, he said, we're going to swap places. This is it. I want to reverse places with you. I'll take the worship if you, you can have the glory and the authority. Of course, the minute he worshipped Satan, there was no glory. There was nothing. He would have sinned. He would have been defeated. There was nothing on offer. But he always has this way of wanting to be worshipped, as he did back in the old pre-Adamic days. He wanted, he set his throne up about, above God's. Still can't stop it. He's, ah, here we are, he's hell-bent on seeking to replace God. And if you worship me, it will all be yours. The subtle temptation here, of course, is some of the words 
that Satan uses. He uses the word authority. He uses the word splendour. Really, what he's saying is this. The Father has promised you all authority is given unto me. Right? Jesus' words, okay? Splendour. You know, God hath given him a name which is above every name, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. So he's got the promises of this from the Father. But now Satan is promising something far inferior, far inferior. The differences or the, the, the attraction, if there was, or the temptation is this. To get the Father's glory, to get the Father's authority, to get the Father's splendour, he had to be a faithful son to the end, not till his baptism. And that meant going to the cross. And if there was a temptation for Christ, it's this. I can have the glory, I can have the splendour, I can have all of this, and I won't have to be crucified. And you should feel good now, because I do. But he said, no. I'll wait for the Father's splendour. I'll wait for the Father's authority. I'll wait till I've been to the cross and I've risen again, and then I'll give Gordon Neal something to preach about in London. And that's what he did. He put it on one side. Because that splendour, that authority, did not include the cross. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he was faithful, 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 faithful to the last nail and the last spear and the last thorn went into him. He was faithful to the end. And then I could almost sing the hymn, Up from the grave he arose with a triumph o'er his foes. You know, it's there. And we see him in the revelation, glorified. Wow. But the temptation was, you can have it without the cross. May I say, Christian friend, don't be deluded. Do not think for one moment you can have the blessing of God and it not cost you something. So, oh, well, I heard this preacher on the TV the other day. He said, the only way I think I have to do is send him some money and I'll have all the blessing I want. Well, let me be very careful here. This preacher isn't saying this. Do you know there was an old song, and I am old. He used to say, the way of the cross leads home. Jesus did not avoid the cross. And Jesus told us to take up our cross daily and follow him. You say, well, if I say no to temptation, I'm going to miss out on so many things that are pleasurable to the appetites, the bread, the stone into bread. Friends, they're not worth it in comparison. Comparison. Watching the time, you've been very good listening. And then it says there, um, Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Quite simple. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy heart and mind and only him shalt thou serve. That was simple. He was not going to give in to the temptation to avoid the cross for something that someone was offering that really wasn't his to give. Then lastly, Jesus answered, it is written, okay? Then the, eight, verse nine, the devil led him to Jerusalem and I mean, stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, we're back to that question again. If you are the son of God, 
um, we've got to do something about this, haven't we? Um, he said, uh, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Well, again, Satan returns to the question of Christ's identity. He, had, he tested him, whether he would turn the bread into stone to prove the point. Now he's saying, Satan's wising up here. Satan is now quoting scripture. On each occasion, Jesus said, it's written, it's written. And when you and I quote scripture, we're speaking to ourselves as well as the enemy. It's written in that way. Please read your Bible. Please read your Bible. You know, if it was a... If it was a rule of the Christian faith to read it, you'd probably do it, but it's, God is gracious. You say, well, how much should I read? I'm not telling you how much you should read. What version should I read? I'm not telling you what you should do. Just read God's word. If I say read it for an hour, we get into law, we get into regulations. But I know this, read it with a bit of paper next year. And when you come across something that speaks to you and you think, well, that's great. Please don't ever say, well, I've read my Bible today and I got nothing out of it. You don't read your Bible to get something out of it. You read your Bible because one day the Holy Spirit might bring those verses to your remembrance. And it's what we do and it purifies the renewing of our minds. The Word of God is powerful in so many ways and I mustn't be distracted. So please read your, say, well, I'm very weak at temptation. It might be you don't know what scripture to quote to the enemy and to quote to yourself. And there's a verse somewhere that will help you. Okay, almost there. I think I've said that, forgive me. He said he will command them. So now the devil begins to quote scripture. Now he quotes scripture wrongly. I believe that he, quote, he offered Jesus something he had no right to offer him in the second temptation. Now he misquotes scripture. And I've got it written down here. Here we are um, in this way. He said there, um, cast yourself down and command his angels concerning you to card you carefully. Now that is a quote from Psalm 91 verse 11. So he quotes scripture, but he doesn't quote the whole of the verse. You see, what Satan does, he says to him, this one event, God has said if you do this one thing, he'll, the angels will catch you. I have to smile. You, you know, the angels are in heaven and they're waiting, or uh, angels may be nearer than heaven, okay, for those who... <laughs> Listen very carefully, okay? And somehow, always jump quick. Jesus isn't going to do some stunt. He's not going to jump off the temple just as some stunt in that way. And, you know, Satan said, well, listen, God said he'll be... No, God didn't say that. What God said was this, that he would look after him in all your ways. What Satan did was he focused in on an event but the care of God is for life in all your ways not just these tests not just these quote stunts and what is the answer very simple once again for it is written Satan saying that for it is written and he fails to quote the scripture correctly may I say this and we have a little drink of water before I say the next thing.
in case you run me out of town. There's no power in quoting scripture incorrectly. Say, well, I've got a verse. And if I say it loud enough, no, 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 no. We've got to quote scripture correctly for it to have any authority. So if I said to you, Gordon Neal is 25 years of age, that is not true. It's obvious. 25 stone maybe, but not 25 years. It's obviously not true. And the moment I said a statement like that, you would just, yes, no, I'm not, Colin. He says, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Okay. The, it's wrong. It hasn't, you think, well, if, how can I trust anything he says when he lies about his weight? So when we quote it, we've got to quote it correctly. I'm going to say, don't be lazy. Oh dear, won't be back. Don't be lazy in your quoting scripture. On one at the night I was baptised in South Harrowful Gospel Church, not that far away, the Bible text, um, when you came out of the water, you had a Bible text. And mine was, um, the, uh, uh, that's great, I quoted this morning. It will strengthen you from Philippians. I can do all things who, through Christ who strengthens me. I later on discovered, when I first heard that, I thought, that's right, I can do all things. Yeah, bring it on. No, no, no. It doesn't say that. It's in the context of suffering. So whatever I'm going through, God will strengthen me. Whatever challenges I'm facing, God, and I'd rather have that than this victorious hallelujah, whoop, 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 out there. I'd rather know that when things are difficult, when I'm at the graveside of a loved one, I can do all things who strengthens me. I feel his hand. When I'm there at the bedside of someone in hospital, I want to know he can strengthen me. Some macho idea, I can do all things through Christ. No. It's in those moments, I can do all things through Christ. So quoting scripture is important. So you say, how do I know if I'm quoting it correctly? Well, first of all, read the verse before and the verse after. And if they match up, you might be on that. And then read the verse before that. If you still say, I still don't understand. Read the first verse. Now, when you get to Genesis and Revelation, and you still don't answer, know the verse, phone Pastor Colin. <laughs> but not when news at 10 is on, please, because I know he likes to watch that. Okay, so that's it. But we've got to understand it. And maybe a commentary or a Christian friend who said, well, I've got this verse, you know. Am I, am I using it correctly? You are. Oh, well, actually, it doesn't say that. It says this. And what it does say, I promise you, will not disappoint you because it's God's word. Almost there. You've listened ever so well. Okay. So the angels will come. And Jesus said, do not. And the, his answer was simply, it says, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Don't test God. So I'm driving up the M1 later this afternoon. Now, I'm not going to swing in and out of lanes like that because that's dangerous. Oh, well, God will protect me. God might protect me, but the Northampton Constabulary might have a different idea. You know, I mustn't test God. Well, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to jump out of an aeroplane, but I don't need a parachute because God, I tell you what, Please, don't ring us when you land. Okay. 
you know, we mustn't test God. We mustn't say, well, you know, I don't, I, these rules don't apply to me. I can just jump off buildings. It doesn't say that. It says he will care for me in all of my ways. And when we do come to the end of our days, we will look back at the life and say, do you know what? He cared for me then. Do you know, I never noticed, but that was God then. I thought it was just someone being nice and it was God being nice. Amen. Why don't you become one of the people that are nice for God? Why don't you do something nice for someone so that they might turn around and think it was you, but really they're going to bless God for you. We need more nice people in the world. We really do. Okay. Do not put God to the test. Then it says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. The testing for Jesus was throughout his ministry. There were times when people could have made him hate them, but he didn't. There were times when people lied about him, but did he attack them? No, he spoke truth. He quoted scripture. And how thrilled we are to know that at the age of 30, he arrived at the Jordan sinless. And at the approximate age of 33, he arrived at Calvary sinless. All the temptations, all the shortcuts were put on one side. And he set his face as a flint to go to Jerusalem. Did he want to go? No. Was he, forgive me, and I'm not trying to be irreverent, he didn't skip down the road thinking, oh great, now this is my last Passover, I'm going to be crucified. No, he swept great drops, as it were, of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. This was trauma. But he stayed true. And the temptation to avoid and to escape and not go to the cross, he resisted them all so that you and I could have our sins forgiven.